0: If you love what you hear, check out our authors Andrea Stewart and N.A. Fulton on Amazon.com, and be sure to subscribe to our Dark Romance Novels and Stories podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast provider. Learn more about us at audioiron.com. Love great stories well told? Visit audioand.com to find the best in audio fiction. Chapter 4 The next afternoon, Elizabeth heard the horses in the drive before Adam woke. At first the sound of hooves grinding against gravel was all but lost against the roar of the sea and its echo in the wind. She lay silent when she heard the men speaking in the courtyard. It seemed unthinkable that intruders could disturb their peace so soon. Were she and Adam only to have a single night before the world came to them? He had coiled himself around her, his chest against her back, his arms pulling her closer as if even in sleep he feared she might run away. She kissed the arm that went from under her head and crossed to her shoulder. She stroked its hard length with careful fingers, and wished the world could end in this minute. She wished she could sleep forever in this man's arms. Inexorably the men progressed from the yard, into the house, onto the stairs, then into the upper hall.
1: Adam, you bastard, get up. In bed at four of the clock? You must be ill. Drunk I'll wager.
2: Hiding from the thought of wedding bands and wedding bells,
0: said a tall blonde man as he entered the room. Elizabeth recognized the wealthy lord from Adam's engagement. She saw his handsome features registering first surprise, then something akin to satisfaction. His deep blue eyes followed the exposed curve of her thigh, examined the swell of the sheet, and lingered on the cloud of auburn hair that spilled around her. With a mischievous smile he stepped aside to let his three associates enter the room. Adam came awake with a start, sitting bolt upright in bed to look at their laughing faces. Elizabeth, clutching at the sheets in order to remain covered, occasioned more laughter. In that second Adam's face clouded with fury. With no regard for his own nakedness, he got out of bed and pulled on breeches and a shirt.
2: Get out, you cod pieces. No one invited you here.
0: If we waited for an invitation we should never come. The wealthy blonde lord said reasonably.
2: I said get out.
0: Barefoot, Adam came around the bed with arms extended, trying to shepherd them out of the room like wayward children. When they refused to move he began to shove them. Finally one
2: said. Might as well go down. I need a drink. He and two compatriots
0: left the room while the blonde ignored his motions. To Elizabeth he said,
2: You will join us, won't you? Come along now. You brought them here. You may go down and entertain them, said Black. Quite an attitude given the trouble I've taken. We can linger a night or two, but then we should all return to London. Your betrothed has been asking after you and I believe some mention has been made of her missing companion. Not that you should mind a little scandal, but since you are buying respectability, You will want to get back, you are such a mother hen. I wonder that I've been able to manage so many of my affairs without any help from you at all.
0: Moments later Elizabeth went to her room and pulled on her much-mended blue dress, then brushed her hair. She contemplated braiding it and decided to leave it a loose river of curls down her back. She might not be marrying Adam, but he desired her. These men thought her his mistress. Why should they not see something of what he wanted so much? Feeling both daring and frightened, she left the room and followed the sound of many voices downstairs. The door was open and she could see inside, but she stood in the hall rather than going in. Her eyes lingered on all five of the men in the room, wondering who they were and what role they played in her beloved's life. The impudent blonde aristocrat was by far the best dressed of the lot. Everything he wore was new and of the highest quality. Elizabeth wondered if his pretty wife knew he caroused with such a rough and ready lot of rogues. Another of the men, Charles, was a little rounder and a little shorter than the rest. His ginger hair was beginning to thin and wisps of it curled around his face. Not too far in the future he would be bald which made him seem older than others in the room. He seemed to be a particular friend of the Welsh man, Sean, a man so plain dressed he might have been a tradesman were it not for the quality of his sturdy clothes and riding boots. Certainly he made no effort to look the Lord. Harry, the last man in the room was a decade younger than his fellows. All brashness and arrogance, he seemed to be much concerned with his position. He called attention to himself constantly, most often with barbed words and slights delivered as if he meant them to be funny. Black held caught one bare foot dangling over the edge of his chair. The men were scattered around him on other armchairs and the tea. Muddy boots rested on whatever furniture might be closest to them. His ill-humour had faded and Elizabeth was surprised to see him laughing as they described searching London for him. Deciding he must be out here, they had undertaken the journey as a race from Intoin. The night past two of them had fallen from their horses due to all the drinking they'd done during the day. The blonde, perhaps not by accident, was facing the hallway in which Elizabeth stood. Adam was to his right, facing the fire.
2: I must confess I find your young lady a very beautiful woman,
0: he said to Adam, nodding at Elizabeth.
2: Why do you not introduce us properly now?
0: Black turned to look at her. Taking in the threadbare clothes and loose hair. He sighed as if accepting the inevitable.
2: Gentlemen, Elizabeth Beckenham, my wife's cousin.
0: The men adjusted their position to look at her, and Elizabeth felt her face color. A respected man was expected to be a creature of sin, but a woman must be the model of virtue. It made no sense that it should be ordained so, yet it was true. The blonde rose and moved toward her with assurance.
2: He drew Elizabeth into the room and said, You are a wonderful reason to abandon a filthy city. I am David, Earl of Leicester. I believe I saw you not so long ago. He
0: brushed a kiss across the back of her hand. Elizabeth granted him a nod. In quick succession three of the remaining gentlemen rose to greet her. Sean was the Welshman and the balding fellow was called Charles. The youngest of the assembled men, Harry, kept his seat. He clearly thought it ridiculous to consider her a member of their company. After the
2: introductions David said, As you can see Adam has been quite remiss. Since it appears you are to be our hostess for this little visit, I wonder if you could arrange to have some dinner prepared, a fire built in the hearth, for all these wretched dust cloths to be removed, and for bedrooms to be ready for us. We'll be staying the night. He asked for these things as if she were mistress of this house.
0: His amusement broadened when Elizabeth turned to Adam for permission.
2: Go on. The devil himself could not drive them away and I am hungry as well,
0: said Adam with a wave of his hand. With a shrug Elizabeth nodded at her new acquaintances and left the room. She delivered the orders to the manservant and spoke to his wife regarding dinner. Since it was late in the day, Adam's guests would have to make do with whatever cold meat soup and bread could be provided. She also ordered several bottles brought up from the cellars because clearly what these men most liked to do was drink. Elizabeth returned to the sitting room to find the newly lit fire painting the room gold, the sheets gone, and night falling. She sat on the hearthstone just to the right of the fire, back against the brick, and listened to the men talk. It came as a bit of a
2: surprise to find she was the topic of their conversation. You have always been a fool about this thing. Why should you not take a mistress? I might question the choice of your lady's cousin. But worse has been done. She is neither your daughter, nor sister, nor the sister of your bride. And they kept her as a servant. They cared nothing for her. How have you not
1: relieved them of a burden? For my part, my wife ordered me to get a girl. These days she will not have me in the house. We have three sons and she has declared they are more than enough. She has demanded I never darken her door again. As I do not miss her bed nor her shrewish tongue, we are well suited,
0: said Charles.
1: Would that my wife would be so accommodating, offered Sean. Every month I steel myself to bear the act and every month the courses flow. It has been three years now and she remains barren. She swears if I take another woman she will kill us both. Women, like horses, are of no interest to me unless I'm in the mood for a ride
0: said Harry dismissively. Drawing upon the he spared his compatriots a knowing smile. And what does our little mouse think? If I had anything to say I would have said it, my lord.
2: Goodness, a woman with nothing to say. Pity they are not all so,
0: Harry replied without deigning to look at her.
2: Ring for the food. It's past dark and I've had nothing all day,
0: said Black. Elizabeth considered pointing out that he'd slept until past noon and had been drinking since two. She might have said she ordered food well over two hours past and his servants were not known for their speed. But instead she rose, went down to the kitchen, found the servants, and encouraged them to begin bringing up food. Cold meat, bread, a tureen of hot soup, cheese, and a variety of edibles culled from the larder finally made their appearance along with china plates and silverware she'd never seen before. She stepped back to watch the men load their plates, waiting with her own in hand.
1: This is better fare than I have had since we left the city. Why cannot one get a good meal on the coach road?
2: Asked Sean as he piled food higher upon his plate. Come to that, cannot you buy a retreat closer in? That was a ridiculous ride and now we've to ride it again to get home. I do not think I've made myself clear. I did not want your company. I came here looking for peace and quiet.
0: Black said as he forked meat onto bread. Your little miss is
2: quite a piece I think. But... I would be much disappointed to hear she is quiet.
0: Harry smiled a little, then looked around as if expecting the others to laugh. Elizabeth moved forward to put her plate on the table, then turned to leave the room. She had been insulted for the last time. If Adam wanted the company of these men, so be it.
1: One
2: day you'll lose your tongue for the words that come out of that foul mouth Harry. Why has
1: no one beaten you to death? You must really ignore our little fool. The rest of us do.
2: David moved to intercept Elizabeth. My lady. Harry is an idiot and an ass. We tolerate him only because he is related to my wife. When Elizabeth tried to brush past him, he took her arm. No one here can sit in judgment on you. Our sins are without number. Yours, I can see are
0: very, very few. Please stay and eat. Elizabeth turned to face black. She saw that he was staring hard at Harry who was looking at the floor mutinously. After a moment Adam picked up her plate and walked it to her.
2: Join us. If the cow without a farthing to his name opens his mouth again, I'll shove a boot down his throat.
0: Adam sounded both fully committed to his plan of action, and determined that Elizabeth should not leave the room. So she took her plate, filled it as they watched, and moved to sit at the table. One by one the men joined her and, after several minutes of awkward silence, the conversation began again. Business, racing, horses, and dice were all topics that came and went as they slowly seemed to forget she was in the room. She finished her meal, slipped from the table, and escaped up the stairs to Adam's room. She was very glad that no one made further attempts to stop her. Moments later she sat on the floor in front of the fire. She added a new log to the glowing coals and watched it begin to burn. Adam had allowed that brutal young man to slight her over and over again. Only when his friends took up her cause had he stepped in. Then again, why had she expected anything different? he had made his feelings about loose women crystal clear. Not a day passed she had decided to leave precisely because he had become so autocratic and rude. But where could she go? What would become of her if she went back to London with these men? Was that even an option? Perhaps she could return to her father's lands. There might be someone that would remember her and take her in. Perhaps the vicar. He had baptized her and taught her Latin. He wouldn't turn her away, would he? The quiet bumbling man had been so kind to her in her younger years. Adam returned to his room in the early hours of the morning. Elizabeth, still seated before the fire, saw he held a glass of water and a sachet of headache powders in his hand. She said nothing as he moved to sit on the edge of the bed, placing the glass of water and the tiny paper packet on the bedside table. He brought one hand to his forehead and closed his eyes, as though to quiet a pain. When he spoke, the sound of his voice startled her.
2: I'm sorry they treated you badly. Most men are animals. Harry in particular is so base and stupid his mother should have drowned him at birth.
0: I don't care what they think of me, my lord. Only your opinion is of consequence. Adam shook his head wearily, then unfolded the paper package and dumped its powders into the water. After he downed it in one long swallow.
2: My opinion didn't matter two days past. I wanted you a virgin. I proposed you should make a prosperous marriage. Yet here we are.
0: Elizabeth rose and came to stand before him. After a long moment he pulled her forward and placed his head against her belly. His face felt hot through the fabric of her gown.
2: Have pity on me, my head is pounding, those ruffians will not leave, and all I want to do is take you back to bed.
0: Shall we make love?
2: He shook his head. Nothing so domestic. Nothing so easy for us both. I want to ravish you until your bones break and you beg for mercy.
0: Elizabeth said nothing, wondering if his dangerous words could possibly be true. He fell back on the bed, eyes closed, expression pained. She moved to undress him, then herself, then put them both to bed. These were mad times and perhaps they were very fit for dark thoughts and wicked words. Neither she nor Adam seemed entirely sane. Maybe they would come to their senses in the light of a new day. The next morning Elizabeth rose early and made her way down to the kitchens. The cook was just preparing breakfast when she arrived. The woman eyed her uncertainly when instructed to abandon eggs and toast for breakfast in favor of preparing roast chicken and fresh berry pies for lunch. Elizabeth knew for certain that Adam wouldn't be out of bed before noon. Moments later she descended into the cellar, chose a collection of four wines, and carried them back up to the kitchens. As the morning progressed she packed a large basket with eating utensils, glasses, plates and a cover to spread upon the sand, and then finished up by adding all the food. She gave orders for the basket to be placed in the front hall, then set off for the stables. She knew she had time for a morning ride. At half-past eleven she returned and ordered the manservant to rouse their guests. Sitting in the hall, the still warm basket of food beside her, she watched the men come down the stairs. Only David, the Earl of Leicester, looked rested. The other four men, including Adam, looked grey and wan from drink. With little explanation, and despite their grumbling, she led them out the front door and down the narrow path to the beach. Directing one man to lay out the cloth and another to fill plates with food, she poured wine into tall
1: glasses.
0: Soon they were all sprawled about her in the warm sand, eating as though they'd never seen food
1: before. What a capital idea! I made a new man. Adam never treats us so well. In fact, he is the worst host you can imagine. Usually, we must find our own food. And he is quite rude if you insist that he rise before he is ready. He hates us. That is why he treats us so.
0: Elizabeth smiled as the men described Adam's ill-humour and poor hospitality. She was well acquainted with both. After the men ate, they drifted away, their dishes piled into the basket with little care for breakage. Adam and Charles strode down the beach for a morning walk, while Harry and Sean set off for the house in search of a fishing pole and line. Only David stayed to sit beside her in the sand. Seated a respectful distance away, he offered her another glass of wine.
2: Really, it is wonderful what amusement a woman can think to provide, he said when she declined. A meal outdoors, such a novel concept. Rather more wholesome than we are accustomed to.
0: I am sure you gentlemen are quite capable of feeding yourselves.
2: I assure you we have been known to drink for days with nary a meal to break up the monotony,
0: David replied as he fell back onto the sand. For a time they sat in a companionable silence, Elizabeth watching the
2: waves while David appeared to sleep. Then he spoke. How long have you been with our man Adam if you do not mind my asking? Did your affair begin in London?
0: Elizabeth debated
2: her response,
0: deciding that she had no reason not to answer. I have been under his protection, in the most innocent sense of the word for about a month. It is only in the last three days that the nature of our association has changed. She stopped, not knowing
2: how to continue. Adam is a man of nearly thirty years and you are the first woman I have ever seen him care for. Did you know he has never taken a mistress? David replied. His tone conversational. Not that he's never had a woman. He has simply never endeavoured to keep one. You are such a beautiful, well-born, intelligent creature. I suppose he simply could not help himself. Elizabeth wondered where all this might be leading.
0: Surely men did not discuss one another with lovers, did
2: they? Perhaps you already know that Adam can be a hard man. He becomes quite dangerous from time to time. He has a number of lower-class attitudes inherited from his peculiar station in life. I fear they may soon make you both quite uncomfortable. The dislike of mistresses is a common
0: affliction among the lower classes.
2: Perhaps we can agree that sin is a notion easily outgrown when the opinion of others is of absolutely no consequence.
0: David replied with a smile.
2: We who are born to our position know we have an inherent right to have anything we want. Honor is served when we pay our debts and do not cheat at cards.
0: I am sure this conversation will come to a point soon. At this David sat up, his tone still conversational although his eyes were very serious.
2: You are a beautiful young woman, obviously in love, and I think it is a pity that you have selected Adam for your first experience. His personal demons will quickly come to trouble you. I thought you should be forewarned.
0: Your concern seems kindly meant but it is very unwelcome my lord. You know nothing of me and I find your interest in my affairs offensive.
2: She stood up, brushed the sand off her clothes. It may seem so, and yet I have known Adam since we were both in short pants. You will find one handles the ear-cursed man better. When the time comes, if it comes, that you need a new protector, I hope you will consider me. Before she could protest, he pulled a white
0: card from his vest and held it out to her. Fascinated, she took it. The heavy ivory stock with its delicate engraving was perhaps the most beautiful calling card she had ever
2: seen. Go to the address I have written on the back. Ask for me and you will be made welcome no matter the hour of the day.
0: When she would have handed the card back, he held up his hands to ward off taking
2: it. Elizabeth, for your own sake you must take the card. That is, unless you have somewhere else to go when Adam sends you away. The next morning, Adam's friends
0: jovially set forth for London. As they departed they amused themselves endlessly on how he might spend his final hours as a free man. It was with some relief that Elizabeth saw them ride out of sight. Finally she had Adam to herself. Minutes later they were in bed. He made love to her swiftly, mechanically, and with no regard for what she might or might not feel. He lay in bed silently after the deed was done, saying nothing for more than an hour as she curled up next to him, her head against his arm. Then, as if the room were on fire, he got out of bed and began getting dressed. Where are you going? Are you angry with me? she asked.
2: I am going to London. Perhaps you have heard. I am set to marry your cousin a few days hence.
0: Elizabeth's blood turned to ice in her veins. She watched him bustling about and felt her world falling apart. I don't understand.
2: It is over. Get used to hearing the words. It is part and parcel of your new profession.
0: What are you talking about? He looked ready to kill her for a second, then with an effort mastered himself.
2: No good deed goes unpunished. I have learned yet again that women are the most willful and ignorant people on earth. To care for them, to step an inch out of your way for them, is pure ignorance and hubris. When I chose to free you from your uncle I had no intention of replacing him. Can you understand that? Of course not. Let me be more clear. I want you gone. I will not be burdened with you going forward. I will not accept any guilt for taking what you were so eager to thrust upon me.
0: Why are you treating me this way? I have taken nothing from you. Why have you become a monster? Fully dressed now, he turned to look at her. She was naked and his eyes flickered across her body as if it
2: disgusted him. I am utterly sick of your innocence.
0: He came around the bed, took her by the arms, dragged her to her feet, and shoved her back into the wall he said sternly.
2: You are a whore.
0: Something is very wrong. It's the drink, or the man who came. Something has changed you. He slapped her hard across the face.
2: You are not hearing me. You are a whore. I am merely treating you as any man may treat a whore.
0: Something in her broke. The iron core that had survived the death of her mother and father, who had refused her uncle's advances, refused to accept his rage and abuse. She would die before she let him define her so. And you are a bastard. Is your lot improved because you can call me a name? He slapped her again even harder.
2: Do you really think I will let you lecture me?
0: He had a grim smile on his face and she could feel an almost sexual tension building in him, one that led not to pleasure but to pain. Let me go. He raised his hand and she put her own up to deflect the anticipated blow. It landed anyway.
2: I wish I had asked my friends to introduce you more properly to your new place in the world. Instead I play the fool pretending you were something other than a dart.
0: I would never have let them touch me. Let. His smile became
2: predatory. I wonder what you think that word means in the mouth of a prostitute.
0: He jerked her away from the wall, threw her onto the floor, hurled himself on top of her. Despite her struggles he pulled her hands over her head, pinning her beneath him.
2: Tell me now what you will not let me do.
0: He said, his face inches from her own. Get off me. She struggled, trying to free herself, to hurt him. He waited until she stilled, then stood up. He brushed himself off without looking at her.
2: That is my last lesson for you. You have no defense against a full-grown man determined to have you. You must accept that or you will not survive.
0: He turned away, looking around as if he had lost something. He spotted his greatcoat, moved toward it, reached into a pocket and removed a sack of coins. He tossed it on the bed.
2: Thirty guineas, he said. Far better than the going rate.
0: I will not take your money.
2: Suit yourself,
0: he said, struggling into his coat.
2: Get out of my house or I will have the sheriff cart you off to jail. I am sure you will find some of the men you meet there quite willing to further your education.
0: Then he was gone. Too shocked to weep, fearful lest he return to hurt her more, Elizabeth struggled to her feet. She raced about putting on her blue gown, her frayed stockings, and worn shoes. In the pocket of her gown she found the white card the Earl had given her. She tucked it into her shoe so it could not be lost in the days ahead. Then she plaited her hair with shaking fingers and coiled it so it would stay in place. Watching herself in the mirror she saw her terrified eyes, a face purpling from Adam's blows, and a swiftly swelling jaw. Try as she might she could not reconcile the madman who had just ridden away with the benefactor who had treated her with such generosity before. With great shame she reached into the purse Adam had left behind and took out two guineas. Adam had ordered her out of the house and she needed the coins to comply with that order. Thus she would take them. But soon she would find a way to return what she was taking. This was a loan, not payment, and certainly not a gift from his largesse. She would never let him think he had purchased her. She had given herself body and soul to a man she loved. She would never accept that as wrong. Her body, like her love, was her own to bestow as she wished. Elizabeth collected her remaining assets into a bundle summoned the manservant, and gave him the sack of coins Adam had left behind. She charged him to hold it for his master and said she would in future make sure it had been returned. She ordered that he ready the cart to drive her into town, and demanded that he pack her some bread and cheese for her journey. The man obeyed her instructions with a sullen look on his face and she realized he had heard all the conflict in the last two hours. In his eyes she would never be more than a high-handed slut who should have no right to give orders to a Christian man. Nevertheless he complied with her orders. He rattled her the long miles to Truro then stopped the cart outside a pub in the late afternoon. He let her climb down unassisted, spit at the ground near her feet, then drove away without a single word of farewell. Clearly, like his master, he cared not whether she lived or died from this point forward. Voice Recording Copyright 2020 by Nancy Fulton. All rights reserved. Music by Johnny Blake. Licensed from Pond5. Visit audioan.com to find the best in audio fiction.